How do you create an unshakable business? I crossed $100 million in net worth by the age of 28. Now I'm growing acquisition.com into a billion dollar portfolio. In this podcast, I share the lessons I've learned in scaling big businesses and helping our portfolio companies do the same. Buckle up and let's build. For those of you who don't know, I founded and uh, was CEO of a company called Gym Launch, uh, Prestige Labs, and Allen, which was a service company, a supplement company, and then a software company. Co-founded with my husband, we are 50-50 partners on all of those businesses. And then we sold all of those businesses about two and two and a half years ago. And we started Acquisition.com. Acquisition.com is really a holding company where we take minority stake in businesses, typically like above 1 million in EBITDA. A lot of the times, more service-based businesses, whether that be like <clears throat> in-person brick-and-mortar service businesses, like we're really good with brick-and-mortar franchises type thing, also online services, and then we dabble in software and physical products. So to give you guys some context, I have a lot of knowledge in terms of like businesses in that range, in those niches, just best practices overall. So I hope to share some of those with you guys today and answer any other questions. Obviously, I also run the business with my spouse. So for any of those of you who do that, I can answer questions there because I know that sometimes it's a trying dynamic for people where it's new. Um, And then I would say like my strengths are probably recruiting, culture, executive leadership. I would say that's probably it. So cool. I'm going to go ahead and not wait any longer and just pull you guys up. So bear with me if I like don't figure this out. Uh, But I'm going to go ahead and try. Okay. Tell me I said your name right, Fabiola. There we go. Hello. Hello. This is Fabiola. My question for you is very specific. It is, what is your mindset about yourself and your clients for on daily basis? Because that is what I'm struggling with right now. So I'm just curious about what are you thinking about yourself and say to yourself daily to boost your confidence and mindset? Thanks a lot. When it, when you're talking about your clients, you, you mentioned your clients. What is it that you're struggling with? Tell me your struggle. Yeah, so my struggle is that I had a mastermind where I normally had clients coming in, but in the last past months, I didn't get as many clients as I normally get. So my what does uh, my confidence my, went so, down? My confidence uh, <laughs> is going down because my clients is not. I'm not getting so many results as normal. Yeah. So I'm just curious, if you had that kind of times in your life where a business was not just up, but also a downtown, yeah. what, how did you build your self-esteem and your confidence to just keep moving? Yeah. Okay. Great question. And I think a lot of people struggle with this. One, I hate the fact that there's like a preconceived notion that businesses always are going up. That's just not the case at all. So I want you to erase that from your mind. Businesses, you look at the biggest businesses in the world, look at Pepsi, look at Starbucks, look at the big ones that are still around and have been for decades. They're not constantly growing. They have sometimes years where they are plateaued or even go down. That is part of it. That's part of the game. And I think that a lot of people don't want to share that those things occur. And that's the only reason why you feel like it's abnormal and why you feel like it's a problem. I don't view that as a problem. Businesses often, one, they're seasonal. So if it's a new business for you, you might not even know that 
May is a down month and it's always going to be, right? Or maybe it's summer that's a down month and it's always going to be. There's a lot of trends that you don't know yet. And I think a lot of first-time business owners, or if you haven't been doing it for a very long time, it's hard to know that's normal. I think that for me, I had mentors in the beginning that always told me, they were like, Layla, there are going to be seasons where you plateau. You're going to grow, plateau, grow, plateau. And it's every time you plateau, you've got to figure it out again. And so that is completely normal and there's nothing wrong with it. And I would say if it goes on for a prolonged period of time, I would investigate it and see has something changed, right? That is within your control. But a lot of the times it's unrealistic expectations we have of business because people put unrealistic, honestly, expectations out there in terms of this is what I can help you do. I'm going to help you explode your business, blah, blah, blah. I talk to hundreds of businesses a month. And let me tell you, most of them are not on a rocket ship growing like that. Most of them grow, plateau, grow, plateau. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that when you plateau, it's an opportunity to look at, okay, what did we stop doing? Or what did we start doing that may have caused this? But it doesn't necessarily mean there's a problem. So investigate, did you change something that altered the results in the business? And if not, maybe this is a natural fluctuation of the business. Because oftentimes what we do as entrepreneurs is I see a lot more people actually overcompensate for a problem. So what I mean by that is that a problem occurs in the business and then they take massive action to solve it because they are uncomfortable personally. But the reality is oftentimes it's just like one little tweak we need to make. So I'll give you an example, which is we were looking at this company and their sales were down for four weeks and the company is doing 11 million a year in revenue. So it's a sizable company and they've been around for a couple of years. And the CEO was like, they went in and they fired two people from the department completely changed the call scripts, completely changed the offer. And then actually the next month they went down again. Why was that? I talked to the rest of their sales team and they all said to me, they were like, Layla, we just weren't following up enough. Like we don't have a follow-up system. And like we used to, but we switched over to a new software. And with that new software, we didn't have a follow-up system. So like all we really needed was to put that follow-up system in place. We didn't need to change anything else. And so I say that to impress upon you, oftentimes we overcompensate for things and make them more complicated in our minds than they are because we feel like we, our self-esteem or our worthiness is attached to the business. Therefore, we feel uncomfortable if it's not in the best possible place. Was that useful? I hope so. Yes, thank you so much. It was very helpful and it's just makes so much sense. So thank you a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, have a great one. And you too. All right, let's go. What's up, Chris? Yeah, so I'll go question in context. What what mindset framework would you use for somebody that feels underqualified and it's impacting them where they feel like something is about to go wrong every day? The context behind that is I'm in the VC community. I'm a startup operator in an AI startup. And I help run a non a nonprofit, and all of it revolves around family offices, startups, and investors. Yeah. So and is that I'm you, only 27 too? So that's oh, that's badass. So is it you that feels that way? <laughs> yes, because my roads very nonlinear. I was in the military. Yeah, I was in business school. My family member got into an accident, and then all these blessings came about. I'm blessed, but I want to do a good job. And it's, I feel like it's just me. I got nobody to rely back on outside of work. Yeah. First off, congratulations, because that's like very inspiring for a lot of people that you can jump from such a different, I guess, way of life and like doing things to what you're doing now. It's impressive and it takes, it takes balls, dude. So that's really cool. The first thing that comes to mind for me is really is 
if you don't feel that way, I do not think that you are trying hard enough to grow. Every single person I know who's pushing their comfort zone describes feeling this way, which is, I feel like something could go wrong at any moment. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And that's because they're stretching and trying to actually achieve something that they haven't achieved before. That's actually a challenge. So in my opinion, one, your brain has no reference points because you haven't done this before. So of course you feel like something could go wrong at any moment. And that's just the way we work. But even for myself, like every business that we started, we started Gym Launch and then we launched Prestige Labs into that. Then we launched Allen. Then we launched Acquisition.com. And I think people always think, oh, you must have so much more confidence. No, I have pattern recognition so I can recognize patterns. But at some point in every one of those businesses, problems occur that I have never encountered before. And I have felt the exact same way. And I would say that this is that I've never met somebody successful or I haven't met many people that are successful that don't have a concern to that degree. I think that a lot of the times we can be overly concerned at times, but most of the time, that level of concern that you have of, I hope that I'm doing everything right. I hope that things are going to go well. I hope I'm not completely fucking something up right now is exactly what you need to succeed. Do you know, does that make sense? Yes. And the last thing I'm going to say is thank you. This is the first time I like have to deal with my emotions up to this point. I'm a very like non-emotional guy. And the reason why is at some point I want to go into full-time VC and let those other two things go because there's a huge capital gap between women and people of color. And lastly, please continue to podcast. I run five to seven miles every single morning and you're one of the people, you and Alex, that I listen to. So thank you so much for doing this. I really sincerely appreciate that, Chris. Thank you. And kudos. What you're doing is really freaking cool. All right. All right, let's go. There we go. All right. Christian, can you hear me? Yes, I can. What's up? My question for you is, was there a moment where you finally hit a groove or something happened and you were like, oh, this actually works and I'm good at it? Thank you. I think that there are moments where we feel that way. And then they're usually followed by moments of feeling like, oh, fuck. Like, actually, I don't have it all figured out. (laughs) Like, for real. Like, I think... I don't think I've ever once felt like I have it all figured out. I'll have days. Like, I think yesterday I had a great day. I was like, man, I've got this shit on lock. And then like last night something happened. I was like, fuck, I'm wrong. I I don't know if we ever hit that point. I think we always assume that like outside circumstances are going to change how we feel about that. And we're going to feel like, yeah, I've got it all figured out. But I've talked to some of the most successful, most famous people in the world. And most of them don't even feel that way. Cool. Thank you. I really appreciate your vulnerability. Yeah, absolutely. Hello. I wanted to ask you... When you were starting with Gym Launch, did you feel qualified or did you feel valuable for your clients? Did you feel like you can charge money for your skills? Like, where did you get the confidence that you are valuable, that you are the person that can build this uh, business? Yeah. In terms of like confidence in delivering what we built at Gym Launch, I did have confidence in my ability to deliver something that was valuable to people. The reason for that was I'd been in the fitness industry for whatever, six years prior to starting Gym Launch. And Alex had been in it for, gosh, seven years prior to Gym Launch. So combined, we had a lot of industry experience. And when we were packaging this product to sell to people, I had, I don't know if you know our story, but basically we had been using it ourselves. So what Alex and I used to do is we used to fly out to gyms. We used to launch ads for the location. I used to sit there and sell people myself, set up a freaking folding card desk at someone's gym, sell people into their gym, and then teach them the retention systems on the back end, how to sell them supplements, how to do all this stuff. So when we started Gym Launch, 
it was just taking the next natural step, which is, okay, now I've done this in, say, I think it was, we'd done it in about 20 some gyms ourselves. It was, okay, now I'm going to teach you guys how to do this thing. So I did feel qualified because I had done it so many times myself. I think that this would be similar to, say, somebody, I don't know, it's like teaching someone how to ride a bike. It's like, how could I teach somebody how to ride a bike and, say, charge them money for it if I didn't really know how to ride a bike myself? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Maybe it would be a better question to ask when you were starting acquisition.com. Like, I I know that you recently said on uh, Jasmine Starr's podcast that you helped a few of your friends before you even started acquisition.com and those companies blew up because of the advice and the work you and Alex put, put in. So did you get that confidence with acquisition.com because you did those, you helped those companies? Yeah, absolutely. I think for yourself, what I would give for anybody on here who's trying to create confidence, if you're selling something, is that you have to give your brain reference points, which is how can I create evidence that I am good at this, right? And in a low risk environment. So I would do something for free before I would ever charge for it. Absolutely. Like acquisition.com, we'd helped so many people for free and just because they were friends or because they asked because we were whatever bored and trying to sell our other companies that I felt confident that we could do it in terms of taking a minority stake and then growing them in acquisition.com. So I think for you, if, if maybe you're trying to gain that, it's like, how can you create more reference points? Can you help friends? Can you help people for free? What can you do in a low risk manner so that if you do hit a learning curve or you cannot help that person, there's no risk or there's no downside for them. Does that make sense? Because in a situation, yeah, if somebody's, yeah, if somebody's paying you, yeah, sorry, and you don't, have, if somebody's paying you and you don't have certainty you can deliver, there's risk and there's a big downside for both you and for them. For them, it's that they don't get what they wanted or what they paid for, and for you, it's reputation. So I would say create an environment in which there's only upside for both parties and practice there before you translate it into a business. Okay, thank you very much. It makes complete sense. It just validated what, what I've already <laughs> been through, but I, uh, it's very valuable that I get the confirmation from you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Have a All great right. day. You too. All right, let's go. Adam. Perfect. Thanks, Layla. What's up? Hi, I have a two-part question for you. Thank you so much for doing this, by the way. Of course. Yeah, if you had to go back to being a entrepreneur full-time job, lots of hustle, big dreams, but little experience. Who would your target, this is two parts, by the way. The first part would be, who would your target mentor be? Please describe the avatar that you'd be seeking. And second, what constraints would you put on the vast amount of potential businesses that you could start or buy? Understanding that your first thing won't likely be the thing that gets you to your goal. In terms of a target mentor, I would not start with somebody who is so aspirational. I I had this conversation with my team. One piece I hate making content, I was like, how do I get a mentor? Because everyone's like, how do I get Warren Buffett to be my mentor? And I'm like, fucking Warren Buffett's not even my mentor. We're not getting Warren Buffett. So I think I would scale down and say, who is just a couple steps ahead of me? I have a realistic shot at getting them to be my mentor. So that's the first thing I would say is that, and I think that person that is just a couple steps ahead of you is somebody that would be in whatever the niche is that you're choosing. So if you're talking about what are the constraints you put upon starting a business, I would ask myself right now, if I were you, like, what do you have the most experience in? What do you enjoy doing? What are you strong at doing? And then I would ask all those opposite questions as well. What do you hate doing? What are you pretty bad at doing? I would write those things down. And then I would look at, okay, what are the market opportunities right now? And I would basically cross-pollinate my skill set and the things I like doing with 
industries or niches that are growing in opportune markets. So if I were looking to start a business right now, that is what I would do because a lot of what makes business, if you want to make business easier for yourself, pick the right market. Like a lot of people, it's the same as marriage. People say, what makes marriage you know, easy between you and out? I'm like, just pick the right person. Everything else is so much easier. It's the same with business. So for Gym Launch, for example, Alex and I didn't realize that we picked such an opportune market. We looked at, hey, what do we like doing? What do we have skills in? Fitness. We both loved fitness. We liked helping people learn the business side of fitness. And it was also a strength of both of ours. And so then that translated into, okay, we were looking at the marketplace and we were like, we don't see anything like this business there. It does not exist. And we wish that we had it when we were coming up. And so that is why we started Gym Launch. And for you, I would ask myself those things. And if you don't know, or maybe you're you're having a hard time gathering what you like and what you're good at, I would ask other people. Because sometimes asking people that are close to us is one of the most helpful things we can do to realize it for ourselves. So that's what I would do if I were you. And then say you identify what that niche is. Say it's, let's say it's brick and mortar fast food chains. I only just say that because I see five guys on your under your name. I would find somebody who just has a chain of say five to 10 locations. I'm not trying to look for the founder of Chick-fil-A over here. I'm trying to find someone with five to 10 locations and then see if I can get them to be my mentor. And how I would do that is two ways. One, I would take action to show them that I was already serious and committed about taking the jump to start this business. So for a good example, Alex really wanted a mentor in the gym space. So he found a guy who had a franchise of gyms. I think he had about 25 gyms in his franchise at the time. And he said, would you be open to letting me come shadow you? And the guy said, sure. So Alex drove across the country and showed up at 4 a.m. at the guy's gym to get the guy to be his mentor. He showed his commitment. And so I think for a lot of people, the mentor gets nothing from you. And so the only thing that you can give them, in my opinion, what most people want in terms of mentorship is they want someone who actually executes on their advice and who's seriously committed. I even think that within acquisition.com, I want founders who actually execute on the advice that we're giving them. Otherwise, like, why the fuck are we partnering? And they're seriously committed. You can see that within their actions. They'll do anything to make this business work. I hope that answers your question, Adam. Yeah, wonderful, succinct, and in line with everything you guys preach. So thank you and hashtag Mosey Nation. (laughs) Awesome, dude. All right, let's go Ava. Hi, Leila. I have to say I love you. I follow you. You inspire me a lot. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh my God, absolutely. Um, I run an educational company. I, I teach students and I college consult as well. I started four years ago and I had a in-person location. Because of COVID, I had to close it down and everything switched to online. And I've been doing this online now, but I'm debating if I should start doing it on person again and if I should rent a physical location, which will be a huge expense. Yeah. Uh, or should I put the money into advertising and growing online? There's quite a bit of competition because there's a lot of EDX, free courses and all that stuff. For small people like me trying to teach online, it's tough and it costs a lot of money to advertise. So I'm really not sure what to do. I've been successful and profitable from the time I started in 2018. Mm -hmm. And I want to keep it that way. But I'm really trying to also look at my expenses and where the money is going. So I need advice from you. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let me ask a few other questions. So what are the, what does the profit margin look like on online versus in person for the business? Like just rough estimate, best guess you've got. 
advertising is I have to spend good two three thousand dollars a month advertising, and if I have to rent, it's about five thousand a month to have a physical location in the Bay Area. Yep, so that's the expense right off the bat. And then, of course, a lot of tools that I still have to maintain if I have to run this with all the websites and all that. Mm-hmm. But everything else, I create all my content. The only thing that I spend on is maybe just my personal education, but everything else, I turn out all of my content myself, books, everything I teach. Interesting. How long have you been doing it virtually now? Ever since COP, so 2019. So you're now considering going back to the 2019 brick and mortar model. I had a my office and I had a classroom and students will just local students will come. And I've been in education for 20 years. So I had a lot of parents that knew me and they started looking, seeking me out. Yep. But a lot of them still want one-on-one. But then I feel that online I can reach a lot more people. But I have to advertise like crazy and I have to be like constantly on social media. Yep. Which is not bad, but since I create everything myself, it's just a lot of effort on that end. So I'm just not sure which way to go. Honestly, I have seen a lot of businesses that are similar in your space, and I think you can crush it online. But I think that leaving the opportunity to go back to the brick and mortar, could you crush it in brick and mortar? Absolutely, yes. Can you crush it online? Absolutely, yes. Both are going to require different skill sets. And I think that maybe in this moment, the brick and mortar looks like easier, but it might be easier now and it might be harder later because I can tell you Mm -hmm. scaling brick and mortar, like even just the fact that you said you do all that stuff yourself, like you need more people. And so I feel if you want to be able to scale it today and tomorrow and in the future and keep up with the industry trends based on what you're doing, I think it makes sense to learn and to push through this hard time that you're having. Like I, Mm -hmm. I see no way in which why you can't make it work online. I think that what you need to identify is what's the area of incompetence that you have right now that is making it so hard to scale online? Because everyone, the reason that something's hard, so I'll give you an example. I know a company and they came to us and they just could not get good salespeople. And so they kept saying, they're like, I think we need to change our business model. And I think we just need to sell via webinar or blah, 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 because we can't get good salespeople. I said, why are we changing the business? Because we lack the skill of recruiting skilled salespeople. Let's just go get the skill and keep the business how it is. Because we know this business will work. We just don't have the skills yet, the whole skill stack that we need to make it work. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So I think for you, I would identify one, I think at some point, can you bring, do you need to make an investment to get help so that you can get out of the spot you're in? Because that is often required when we're at like a sticking point. It's like we need to bring in, you may not know how to do something, but somebody else out there does. Fucking somebody on this call knows how. There's 350 people on it. Somebody here for sure knows how to help you, right? And so, it's, <laughs> and so it's, you don't need to have all the answers, but I think that it's finding the person that does and then connecting with them and figuring out where can you level up the skill set. Doesn't even need to be you. Can be somebody else you bring in to help. Maybe it's consult, work part-time, whatever it is, to help move the business forward. Because I do think that, you having it online, it is becoming more of the trend in your industry. And I think it's smart to keep it there. I just think we need to identify like, what's the constraint that if you did and learned this one thing or brought this one person in with this one skill would create the highest ROI for you right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. I've been thinking about hiring and I'm shying away from that. So I guess I've been, you know, how, how are you going to build a business with one person? That's awful. <laughs> yeah. 
It's like I tell people, I'm like, you think it takes one brain to build a hundred million dollar business? It takes so many brains. So just pair that down to a smaller business, but like it takes more than one. Yes, I guess it's just facing the unavoidable and you just confirmed it. So (laughs) thank you very much. Thank you so much. You're good. Absolutely, Ava. Have a good day. You too. Thank you, Leila.